This show is about sexual awareness and contains language which is meant for above 18s. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of The Orgasm Coach. I am your host Michael Charming and I am ready. What about you who are listening to this? Are you ready friends? Are you ready to turn on your life and amplify your orgasm because it's time. It's time to increase your happiness. It's time to have more pleasure and experience those juicy, nourishing and expansive orgasms because it's time. It's time to deepen your relationship, your connection and get your desires fulfilled. If you are ready to let go of shame and take the next step, if you are ready to take your relationship and sex to the next level, if you are ready to have more connection, intimacy and abundance of love, then it's time to amplify it with the Orgasm Coach. Dear listeners, welcome to another episode of The Orgasm Coach brought to you by Charming Love. I am your host Michael Charming, The Orgasm Coach, sexual healer, relationship expert, certified body worker and author of 3 books. This is the podcast for experts where we help people to liberate their sex and orgasm and transform their relationship and life towards happiness, bliss and pleasure. Dear listeners, it's a joy to reunite Post our riveting exploration in our last episode is monogamy the only way to live if you have yet to experience it don't miss out our guest melissa d's journey evolving into somatic sex educator while sharing wisdom for men and empowering women is an unforgettable odyssey in this episode we step into a world of uncharted intimacy with our guest the captivating jade lotus her presence in our latest literary gem the book 21 flavors of orgasm is like bewitching the siren's call ever wondered how the symphony of orgasms take on 21 unique melodies each a reflection of a woman's journey is the female orgasm truly an enigma or a chapter often overlooked what sets apart the rhythmic cadence of feminine and masculine climax Do men's misconceptions shroud the female experience unfairly branding it as mere hysteria? Can we guarantee an orgasm? Dare we say, after this enchanting read, you will treat remarkably close. So if you haven't got the copy yet, do check it out. 21 flavors of orgasm because it answers all of these questions. In today's episode, we prepare to embark on a journey that peels back the layers of ecstasy, vulnerability and human connection. Jade Lotus is a life, sex and longevity coach who guides seekers to the very quantum essence of existence. While studying law at King's College, she became frustrated by the legal establishment and developed health issues which were not resolving. Yoga and natural medicine led her to pursuing a degree in Chinese medicine and practicing Qigong, Taoist style meditation, and to explore tantra. She studied with Mantakchia, which led her into the depths of sexuality, and she became a certified tantra educator. I met Jade in the training relating to body work that was quite a few years ago and since then we have been great friends helping and witnessing each other's personal and professional journeys in today's riveting episode she cast a spotlight on her formative years growing up in the embrace of a fundamentalist christian family 
where conversations about sex existed as forbidden whispers. She also lays down a roadmap of understanding for men, unveiling the keys to unlocking a realm of deeper connection and satisfaction. And let's not forget the alluring mystery of the five pleasurable spots, a symphony of sensations waiting to be discovered beyond the familiar confines of the clitoris. Here's a little quiz for you. Which orgasm among the trio of clitoral, G-spot and cervical offers a more grounded and nourishing experience for women? I will share my views after the break. But for now, without further ado, let's welcome our guest, Jade Lotus. Hello, dear listeners. Today, I have a very amazing guest, a very special guest. Her name is Jade. Our journey go back way long. It was, I think, about four years. We met in a course. And since then, we have sort of a very special kind of a bonding. Whenever we connect, there is a lot of things that we share in terms of our experiences, my experiences from women, our experiences from men. So I know a lot about her. But in today's episode, I'll get to find so many things that she hasn't shared with me before. So I'm as excited as you would be. Um, welcome, Jade. Thank you for coming on the show and being part of this project. Thank you, Michael. Thanks for inviting me. It's my pleasure to be here. Jade runs a group called The Art of the Bad Chamber. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's a project. It's a group. It's a page. Um, it's a whole project. It's a sex education project. Could you share a little bit about yourself? I know a lot, but I would let you share. Okay, so um, I guess going back to um, how it all started for me, um, well, I grew up in this kind of like fundamentalist Christian hardcore family where sex was just absolutely forbidden to be talked about. I mean, I remember asking my mum, I was probably 12 or 13, about the birds and the bees. And I remember being told that a stork would drop babies down the chimney because she was so just did not want to talk about anything about sex. There was so much sort of like shame and guilt around it. And at the same time, and I don't I don't know why, but I was just a bit of a late sort of sexual developer. But I remember it was, I was probably only about 16 when I realized that I even had a clitoris and maybe 15, 16. I was kind of just falling asleep, putting my hand between my leg. I don't know if she picked up on some energy or saw me or what. But I remember my mom just giving me like a huge telling about masturbation and everything. She condemned. She kind of, uh, did you share your experience about it? Did she, did she saw you playing with your clit or is that something that she just kind of... I have no idea because I remember her kind of nabbing me in the kitchen and just giving me just you know, real like stern telling off and me just being like kind of horrified because I... I think that was even the first time I'd heard the word masturbation as well. I was quite horrified about what she was talking about. Well, it wasn't long after that that I basically got out of home and went off and started my own sort of sexual explorations. And this was in the 90s. And I mean, I like to think that sex education has moved forward a little bit today, but I still think there's like a lot, a lot missing because although they would kind of tell you there's AIDS, you can get pregnant and all this kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. As a woman, I was taught absolutely nothing about my body, nothing about my pleasure, nothing about my right to say no or my right to say yes, my right to ask for things. There was just this very sort of confused sexual education. And obviously, like you're getting a lot of your sex education from peers. And um, at the time, while I didn't watch porn, I didn't really know what it was. But when I look back on it now, I actually realized a lot of the messages that I was getting were sort of, I mean, this was the 90s. So this was before the high speed internet porn era. But still, I remember people were talking about sort of things like strangulation and sex, which was just kind of like, I don't know, 
if that's quite, I think as a teenager, especially you should be finding out about like your different pleasure zones, about different kinds of orgasms. There was nothing. I mean, the G-spot, I must've been in my twenties before I heard about a G-spot. There was a little bit of whispering about the clitoris, but it was really nothing about, you know, exploring your, your pleasure anatomy, essentially. Absolutely. I think um, I consider myself to be very lucky to be actually uh, born in the age where I'm seeing this big transition of uh, consciousness and talking about the sexual education and pleasure points. As a man, my education was very limited. And I'm talking about more towards the late 90s. It came from porn. And now having gone through a lot of bodywork experiences, studying Tantra, a microcosmic orbit, something that you introduced me to. So having that sort of experiences and then having a completely different and truer form of relating with sexuality. So I'm going through that. I've seen that transformation and I'm seeing how now women are coming up more and more. There's a lot of education. You are doing a lot of amazing work in this field, uh, talking about boundaries, talking about consent, uh, helping men understand about their uh, sexual problems. You mentioned that growing up in your, since your childhood, your mother didn't have any kind of conversation. Which country are you talking about? Which country did you grow up in? So I grew up in the UK, although we did spend a bit of time living in the USA as well. And my family now live in the USA, but w- that was growing up in the UK. Mm-hmm. And you came from a Christian background? Yeah, my parents are Christians, yeah. Okay, so it's basically at an early age when you were growing up, it was more around that sex is a sin. We don't talk about it. And then, of course, babies happen through bees and and stalks. Yeah, there was just nothing. They didn't want to talk about it. And I think at some point they gave me some photocopy out of a biology book or something. Looking back on it, there was no education whatsoever about healthy boundaries. So I was kind of being taught that as a woman, you're there to sort of please your man. You're there to do for him, which was extremely, extremely harmful. Because when I first got a boyfriend, started having sex, I thought sex was just about him coming. I was probably 20 when I first realized I was supposed to have an orgasm too. And it took me a few years then because I never had any orgasms. I never knew anything about my body. I was so disassociated from myself sexually. And thinking about it, I was probably just going into flight or fight when I was actually getting, having having sex, basically. Your first few relationships um, with with the lack of any kind of education on sexuality, it was more around pleasing your partner, not knowing that there's something in it for you. What was the state where you first experienced, sort of had a feeling that you would say, oh, I had an experience of an orgasm. And what was that like? Well, I was extremely, extremely disassociated from my sexuality. So I don't think I felt anything inside my vagina, although I like the connection thing of having sex. But I remember when probably I was 20, 21, when I maybe had the first boyfriend with a little bit of skills, but he would touch my clitoris. But I just remember it wasn't actually pleasant. It was an intense sensation, but I wasn't enjoying it. And then he said to me, why don't you have an orgasm? And I was like, what? I'm supposed to have an orgasm too? And... uh, uh, then I think like for a year or two, I was just like, my God, what is wrong with me? And um, then I I came across a book by Mantak Chia. It was sort of like one of these moments. I was in this bookshop and this book just sucked me in, cultivating female sexual energy. And um, I started reading the book and I realized it's going to be the answer to my problem. So ultimately, I read his book. I read some other Taoist books. I got very into Taoism, basically. And I found these exercises, which is, you know, they're not that different from the microcosmic orbit, but it was doing a lot of like inhaling, exhaling, squeezing the perineum, massaging your breasts, your ovaries, massaging your vagina. And I remember, so it was with a partner that anything happened. It was actually, I was doing this self-massage of the vagina where you just put the hand over the vagina and you just make these circles like this. And I remember getting some slight movements of energy. Yeah, probably little orgasm starting. 
but mm-hmm. not really going. And then I went to this workshop and I was learning how to use a jade egg. And what she was explaining was about actually using this thing called the six healing sounds, using the six healing sounds, so, so toning, making sounds while meditating with certain parts of your vagina. And when I started doing that, it was just the most incredible energy blockage, all these kind of clouds and memories coming out of my body. And I remember suddenly just one moment just being like, whoa, and everything was really sensitive and pleasurable all of a sudden. And then I just went from just not really imagining what an orgasm was to just being very, very multi-orgasmic in a very short period of time. Just you were, like that. Yeah, I mean, that seems like a, one of the most, uh, I would say, divine moments to be able to kind of having a feeling of like, oh, can I orgasm to actually really experiencing it? If you were to kind of just give us a little bit of insight into what that experience actually felt in your body or what that first initial feelings were that you kind of had um, relating to that orgasm, what would you say? I suddenly had this realization I've been very, very disconnected from my body. I had no relationship with my vagina, with my sexual organs. So there was definitely like an element of that. And what happened was I went it really into my body, into my vagina. I was releasing and suddenly first there was a pleasure. Then I would just say it was ener- like energy shooting up my body right. and my body vibrating and, and my vagina pulsing. Beautiful. So, yeah, yeah. And and then you carried on since since you had that kind of a discovery, I suppose you started exploring more and more into this field. You started, like you said, you had a class of books for Mantakchia. I personally consider you as quite advanced within the, in terms of, you know, based on the blogs and the knowledge, etc. that you do share. So that path continued? Yeah. So, I mean, I think at that time I was doing a degree in Chinese medicine. So that was what had actually got me into Taoism. And I would just say, I just continued with the meditations and there was a lot of unblocking going on at that time. For example, I'd been been virtually addicted to cannabis for a number of years. That all just went out the window. Other health problems I'd been having just kind of like disappeared. And then I just started getting more into sort of like go to workshops, finding out about um, more stuff to do with Matichia, getting into Tantra as well. So I guess, yeah, it just went from like one step to the next. And I've just been continuously exploring, obviously talking with clients, talking to them about their experiences as well. How did that impacted your relationship experience? So from an initial experiences where you mentioned that the relationship was more sort of pleasure for boyfriends, then you had a kind of some somebody more experienced where he kind of uh, reflected, uh, have you reflected on yourself to whether you have a, an experience of an orgasm? Uh, I suppose these does made a shift in your relationship. But what was that like? What was your relationship experience with your boyfriends? Were they, were they able to understand what you were experiencing in terms of your energy? Or was it more like you might have started feeling connected with yourself, but there was a disconnection with them in the relationship? Well, I think that what I learned, because one of the things that they teach you when you start doing a jade egg is when you are going to put the jade egg by your vagina, they teach you actually to ask your vagina, does your vagina actually want this Mm -hmm. penetration? And you start learning that actually the whole, let's say the old adage of push it into the vagina hard as if it's some kind of a hole or whatever, mm-hmm. that actually um, that that's actually not the way to do it and it's really got to be you. So I then changed very much so that I needed to be in control of um, sexual uh, penetration. I needed to be kind of in control of what was going on. But if I'm honest about it, uh, I would say that men really like that. I What I realized was that they were just as confused as me, you know, <laughs> and when I 
I actually said, look, this is what I want. Touch here. No, no, no. Two millimeters to the left. Okay. Okay. Right there. No pulsing. No, just tiny bit faster and so on. They were like, wow, you know, she knows what she wants. This is like fantastic. But I definitely think like I developed over the years in being able to sort of learn to um, to connect and create a connection. I think it's something that I'm, I'm still developing. I would say it made it much better because I think before I was disassociated from myself, I disassociated in a relationship. I don't think I was really giving very much. I don't think it was great for them either. I think it was just, I was a bit clueless, really. I think I can, I'm just having a sense of if, if I'm just imagining if my girlfriend would be disassociated, uh, it would be very difficult for me, especially if not if I do not have the enough navigation tools to be able to ask and inquire. It will be very difficult for me to kind of figure out what's going on. Absolutely. It, absolutely. You know, yeah. Having a man as a lover and then trying to please your girlfriend, which is what we always do. We always mm. aim for. is always challenging. And then having this sort of unknown disconnection sort of vibes getting in would be, I can just imagine how challenging it must have been. Did you find that your partners were also disconnected from their sexuality or did you feel that they were sort of connected at the time where they were, you know, we all grow as part of our learning experiences in life. But when you met them, whoever they were, do you feel that they were sort of connected or do you feel like actually not really? Oh, good question. I think I had like deep soul to soul connections, but I think when I look back on the sex I had then and what I think now, it was very different. I was always into kind of like being in love and so on. So I think that it was, it was okay. In terms of your journey, in terms of your sexual path that you have taken, um, what are the workshops or trainings that you have gone? You mentioned about Thaism that you have studied. You mentioned uh, about Tantra. Are there any other particular things that you have focused on? I would say like definitely like Taoism is is my biggest thing. I love the Mantec Chia stuff. The people who trained with Mantec Chia, they're just absolutely amazing. And I've been to potential workshops as well and just general body work stuff and also other kinds of like body work that relates to sexuality, that relates to emotions, emotional release and so on. I had a very, I have a very little experience in Taoism, but I would say uh, is definitely one of the modalities that I am very much keen on exploring further. Whatever little experience I had, it's all based on energy. So somebody who is not familiar with energy, whatever Taoism says, it may sound strange, but my invitation as a person who experienced my as a as a first on first hand would be to allow yourself to start taking courses or workshops, which first of all allow you to become familiar with the feelings of energies and then how they how there are different pressure points, different places within our body, and then start playing with that because that's what Taoism generally does. And there's a there's an energy that's happening within the body and also around your body, and then there are different uh, sensitive points that has that has different functions. Yeah, and the organs, of course, and our emotions is a very important part of that as well. So it's very much about going into our body and really experiencing our energy rather than looking at it all the time. You are now doing a lot of empowerment work. You are writing about first book. Could you tell a little bit about your upcoming book? Okay, so I'm writing a book at the moment. It's called The Multi-Orgasmic Toolkit. And the idea is to, I guess, out of obviously my own studying, my, my experience with myself, my experience with my clients, is is that I just want to put together a book that's giving my experiences both with Taoism and with Tantra that gives people exercises that they can follow that to allow them to basically really open up to their sexual potential. And um, I'm also creating online courses, including like an app, the Multi-Orgasmic Toolkit app wow. is going to be <laughs> coming out. We need bits though. We need more of these toolkits and apps and all these learning materials. App, that definitely. Yeah. And, and it's really just about simple ways 
is that we can get into our body and we can start getting the energy going, which I'm very much into the whole idea that, you know, our relationship with our emotions is such an essential part. I see so many sex coaches, they're a little afraid to kind of go into the E word and especially people working with men because there's this whole idea that men don't want to hear the E word being emotions, the E word. But until we actually start um, being honest about what's going on, and I literally wrote a blog about this yesterday, when we experience emotions, if we don't resolve those emotions at the time, if we repress them, we suppress them, for example, anger, fear, and so on, they go into our bodies and they get stored in our bodies. And the more we have a buildup of this, you know, obviously we can talk about energy meridians being blocked and so on, but looking basically in terms of anatomy and physiology and Western science, this is sending a message to the autonomic nervous system that stress out, yeah, you're not in a safe place. Mm -hmm. So our sexual functioning is not going to work because literally the autonomic nervous system is trying to keep us safe because it's going, look, there's all this danger, there's all these things to be angry about, do not expend energy and time now having orgasms and great sex. So it just stops us in our tracks. We don't actually understand what is going on. And I mean, our whole society is based on this like incredibly terrible relating to our emotions that anytime a kind of negative emotion comes up, we're like, oh my God, oh my God, repressing anger. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and especially anger, all this repression of anger, it actually just leads to like really angry, ragey people. Whereas if people were learning to have this relationship with their anger where they were actually embracing it and taking its message, the same as the message from fear and so on, it would be a completely different situation. So absolutely all these kind of blocked, messy emotions, which is exactly what happened to me as a teenager. Ultimately, it came down to like, I'd been given no sort of facilities to have any kind of healthy boundaries, healthy emotional relation relating with myself. So naturally, my sex life was going to be a big mess until I actually started looking at what was going on with my emotions, at what, what was going on with my relationship with my body, essentially. So, um, I mean, the idea with it is to just make, um, break everything down very, very simple into simple steps. You know, like, for example, look, at your breathing, look at your relationship with your heart, look at your relationship with, we go into different emotions, but we also, the fact like when we feel a tension, a bad feeling in the body, that's a blocked emotion. And there's very easy ways to just release that as well. Bringing back the whole art of flirting, how important it is to create an eye connection, eye contact, to feel connection between your partner and so on, that it's not a mechanical thing. It's not about press this button, turn this switch on and so on. It's about creating this whole dynamic. And it's also about having just a real sense of sort of like fun in your life. And if you look at Mantak Chia, he's almost 80. He has this amazing childlike sense of fun, sense of jokiness. He'll he'll give the most high level lecture that will just blow your mind. And you can just walk over to him and talk to him in the break and he'll speak to you like just an eight-year-old child just with no idea that one is better than the other or whatever. It's very, very useful to know about these techniques, how to touch the vagina in certain ways, how to touch the penis in certain ways and so on. But without the background, for example, so so many in particular men, but also women, they have this problem of kind of rushing into sex because when, when people start having sex, this underlying conditioning of guilt and shame comes up. Literally, they run away from it, trying to ejaculate or orgasm as fast as they can during sex, just to get tension out of their body rather than opening up to sort of tantric orgasmic bliss. So teaching people to breathe, teaching people to feel okay with their emotions, teaching also men actually to come into their feminine as well as women to come into their masculine as well. This is all like a really, really important part of sex education. And actually some really exciting news is that I may well be getting some of my stuff onto university sex education syllabuses um, in the next year or two. Very. I mean, there's a long-term project. I think people aren't 
quite ready for it, but is actually to expand this out into a sex education program for children and their parents from 10 years old. So I'm co-creating this with a professor who's used to be a professor of linguistics, basically. We need this kind of education to be given at a very young age because that's where our Absolutely. neural pathways yeah. and brain wires and yeah. the whole understanding is developing. Yeah. Um, doing something at a very, you know, starting from there is much easier than working on unbarring and reshaping it 10 or 15, 20 years years later. Yeah, and absolutely because, you know, we can't deny the fact that a lot of 10 and 11 year olds are already getting onto hardcore porn. And as sex educators, any sex, sex educator, you've got to be aware there's a good chance that your son is watching videos of women being strangled and practically raped at the same time. And who's there telling him, if you do this, you're going to be committing a crime? When who's you, there teaching them about consent? Even if there are people who might be telling telling him not to do this. The fact is that because he's watching constantly in secret, he's subconscious mind is developing towards that. So, is, so that's the reason. It's, yeah, it's very, very influential because when you see something put yeah, put forward to you in such a high-tech sort of way, it, it's going to influence you so much more. And then just, um, just there's no education in porn about actual pleasure. They're not actually teaching us to really get into our bodies and be authentic and be blissful and be orgasmic. You know, it, it's just... Um, just, just imagine a little misleading. Just imagine if the porn would have been what the actual sexuality would have been, how the whole world would have already been. We would have actually been promoting porn in that case. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, being yeah. more erotic, I mean, being more being more yeah. sexual, being in your body. We would we would then say, go and watch porn, right? So now Reaching to place where you are, I assume, wouldn't have been easy. You mentioned you have your own journey to go through, a lot of learning experiences as well. What have been your three or four real life struggles that kind of ringed you up, you know, kind of like almost torn you apart, but then you managed to get onto the other side. So if you were to share your three or four life struggles, what would they be? I think that one of them was getting a direction in my life and getting my confidence. And so I, I look very much at the whole um, thing of being sexual actually repressed is very much about also being repressed on a soul level. Looking at so, you, I mean, based on what I know you now and, you know, looking at relating with you, I would not, it would never come to my mind that you would have this sexual repression or you would have this issue around confidence. You know? So I don't know. I don't just imagining what would have been before, but it's very difficult to say. <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, I think there was some confidence going on because I did I did still have a direction, but I think that it wasn't clear. My direction, it was not clear to me. And also, obviously, growing up with, with these Christian parents that don't exactly want you to go out and get a career. In fact, they were quite horrified when I told them I was planning to go to university. Finding my real confidence in terms of actually being able to be very calm inside myself and really seeing my way ahead. Um, perhaps I had like, a, I have a high standard of what I want and I push myself a lot but still like um, I definitely think like finding my sexual power was very much to do with finding my path finding my purpose so I would say um, that was a big struggle I would say coming into a healthy relationship with my emotions was a struggle so I remember my mom used to say to me as a child bless her she would be like you're so angry I would just then try to repress my anger then I would end up flying into rages I would have no kind of healthy boundaries. It was really through, I mean, definitely through Mantech Chia, but then also through like learning shadow work and learning really just to embrace actually my negative emotions and start having a good relationship with those emotions. I think a lot changed for me 
with that, you know, learning to just to be okay with the anger, okay with the sadness, okay with the anxiety, okay with the worry and so on. And even though I might feel it strongly to actually just be able to almost like take the message from these negative emotions. So what you're saying is basically that if the emotions are existing in your body, they are, they are very valid. They need to be sort of reflected upon and possibly find a way to either have them release or make them an ally. Transform that or make them your best friend. Absolutely. I think that making them your best friend. So for example, I remember I was going through this whole anger thing and what really woke me up was I was with a friend one evening and we were both drinking. You know what it's like when you were drinking, when you're drinking, he started kind of like touching me in my brain. I was like, I don't like this, but this because of this whole lack of healthy boundaries and so on. And he kind of kept, not that he was like grabbing my vagina or something. Then he kind of like took my clothes off and sorry, took his own clothes off. He wanted to take off mine. And then I just kind of slipped into the other room basically. And just kind of escaped from the situation without saying anything. And the next day I woke up and I was like, actually, like, I'm quite pissed off that he did that. And I remember messaging him and him being like, oh, I had no idea. That, I mean, obviously, he should have had some level of sensitivity. But nonetheless, I also said nothing. But I remember just being there and I was raging and I was fuming. And I was like, I need to do something about this. And I, I mean, it's, if, I, if I were to share, I would have been a guy in that space in that place years ago before I started the whole journey of orgasm. If I am doing something like this and if she isn't saying anything to me that I would just take that as a yes. And of course now over the years um, I have changed a lot which means that if I'm doing something, I would rather check in in between to see whether she's okay. Mm. People don't have that. Men are not given this kind of education. So we would just take yeah, that. Yes. And then, of course, women not being able to say and then feeling very rage and anger at what happened later on. Because, yeah. And there also, obviously, there is the whole dynamic that there is some level, as a woman, you do have some level of fear towards yeah. men. Right. Because men are stronger than us and things like, you know, sexual assault, sexual harassment and so on, they're real. Everybody's yeah. experienced some level of it. But then also, obviously, there's this whole programming and conditioning, whereas women were not being told to say what we want. This is why there's not an equal amount of women in parliament. This is why there's not an equal amount of women in jobs. This is changing now. And as it's changing, you see there's more and more female entrepreneurs, more and more women getting into higher positions because women not saying what we want in the bedroom, not saying what we want in politics, not what we saying what we want in business. It's all the same thing. And we've yeah. been taught to just sit there and be quiet. We have a long way to go. Yeah, you know, that's um, one woman, but yeah. for every woman standing out there, maybe 20 or 30, you know, still not saying anything. You have really touched on a very important point, which is the fear. And of course, there is a there's a fear of assault and having something as a violence or facing the anger, anger from a man, even though that person might have been the very... Yeah very best friend. Uh, and fear of not, fear also of not being loved. It's a big fear for both men and women. But even I had since I got into this stuff, I mean, I was with a friend and we had sex and basically he wanted to do doggy style and I said no. And he got quite pissed off at me, right? And luckily now I have the boundaries to be able to kind of take it. And I was like, wow, okay. And later he was really, really embarrassed about it. We will be right back. Hello, dear listeners. I hope you're enjoying this show so far. For more shows, please visit michaelcharming.com or look out for The Orgasm Coach. Um, do connect with us on Instagram. It's mc.theorgasmcoach. If you're interested in learning how to have more orgasms, then do check out my book, Amplify Your Orgasm. Visit the book page on my website for more insights. This book is for both women and men and offer practical tips which can be applied in day-to-day life whether you're alone or with your partner. 
If you're interested in learning about desires, want to let go of shame, have an emotional release or want to take your relationship to the next level, then do check out the courses on the website michaelcharming.com. If you have any questions or for confidential conversations, please do reach out to us. We are here to help. And just on the side note, if you are interested in politics, if you have been someone who has experienced disconnection and conflicts from friends, families or even strangers due to conversations relating to politics, then do check out my book What's Your Fucking Opinion. It's a self-help book that will allow you to understand the reasons why each of us behave differently whenever politics is mentioned and how we can avoid conflicts from happening. Visit the book page on my website for more information. If you ever expect to sit down with your friends or have a holiday dinner together with your family without considering a bloodshed, then you must read this book. Now back to the show. Thank you for staying with us. Hello dear listeners. Let's unravel the mystery of our little quiz that I asked earlier before we journey further with this episode. Amidst the trio of clitoral, G-spot and cervical orgasms, which one reigns supreme as the embodiment of grounded and nourishing pleasure? Drawing you into my world, allow me to paint a vivid picture. Clitoral orgasms, a lightning bolt of sensations, an instant urge from 0 to 400 miles per hour. G-spot orgasms, oh yeah. A slow burning fire, an experience that finds its roots deep within. Now let's dive into the enigmatic realm of cervical orgasm. This masterpiece is crafted through deep pressure, a tantalizing dance against the cervix, awakening a network of nerves that paint sensations across the canvas of the pelvis. This isn't just a climax, it's an exquisite symphony that courses through the body an intensity that defies words. But a word of caution, the cervix is a delicate realm. Every touch, a brush stroke of pleasure or potential discomfort, each caress carries a whisper of sensation that could be overwhelming or unwelcome. Every nook and cranny of this intimate landscape is exquisitely sensitive, a truth to remember and respect. So dear explorers of intimacy, don't treat in haste nor make assumptions. Instead, engage in dialogue, inquire and acquaint yourself with the intricacies of your partner's body. Remember, this journey of discovery isn't a sprint, it's a symphony that deserves to be played with care. Drop me an email at coach at michaelcharming.com if you would like to share about your experience of these orgasms. Now back to the episode with Jade Lotus. Accepting my partner's no in the beginning was a big challenge for me. I thought yeah. it's easy, I'm very loving, I'm I'm giving her the space, etc. But no, when she says no, that ego that gets hurt that there's a sudden defense mechanism that that comes out and then as a man we have to kind of work on those aspects which is a lot of challenge in it itself we mentioned porn earlier the whole idea of porn is that women are these little sort of quiet little things that bend over stick their bum in your face and sort of you just pounded and they ejaculate all over you i just think that when before i would have just said yes and just disassociated and i know that i did that in the past you know especially with doggy style because there's not the connection there's not the looking in the eyes 
and so on. And I disassociated and it was actually painful and uncomfortable. But anyways, you know, to get back to this anger thing, and this was a big, big turning point for me. And I sat there and I really meditated and went into the anger. And it was before I even knew about shadow work, but I actually did shadow work. I went into the anger and I asked it, what is your message? And I just embraced it and gave it love. And I had this huge, it was almost like this energetic sort of explosion type thing in my body. And suddenly it was very, very alchemical and magical because I just, suddenly my boundaries became clear. And suddenly I knew what boundaries were because I'd heard about boundaries, but I didn't understand them. And suddenly it was this moment of, yes, I can take this anger and I don't need to wait for it to take me into a rage. I can just take it at the moment that I want to say no. And I suppose the thing I mentioned with this friend where I said no to the doggy style was feeling it in that moment. I suppose what I did was that I took on that emotion and I said, oh no, which, yeah, which just, I guess, it's not something that a lot of women are doing actually saying no and I think there's this whole idea as well that kind of saying no is about turning down good sex whereas what I've learned is that no is actually a doorway to better sex yes because no it's easy to explore more absolutely no is about listening to your body because our body is in different places our mind could be at a different place we could have we could be desiring oh yeah you know that there, there is so much love and connection etc but our body could be at a different place so, so so what I understand about no is being able to staying connected connected with it and then saying, for example, when we are having food, there, there is a point where we just keep eating. There's a lag between when we feel we're not hungry versus when our stomach feels it's not hungry, right? And and that's about being able to be present. So, so would you say since that moment of reflection where you let that energy out, and has it been kind of easier for you to say no or was it still a still challenge? I think I had to develop because I was still getting, and I think this is to do with my childhood programming, I was still kind of getting this thing that when I said no, then this guilt would come up and so on. But then it was like, I understood the power of it. And I won't, wouldn't say it was a release of energy. I would say it was a transformation of energy, actually. So I, then I still had to learn. And I think even to do with, because the whole thing of boundaries, it, it will obviously go into every part of your life. So it's like, for example, being pushed around in, in various parts of your life, not just in bed. You are not good at putting up your boundaries. You you will find that you're that's going into all parts of your life. So I would definitely say that there was a big shift there. But it's something that even to this day, I'm still working to develop on really being able to kind of like say no and I think or say yes if yes is what I feel or to be able to articulate what is my thing because um, if I'm not articulating what my thing is what I want then how can, I'm not going to get that am I what can men do or how can what are two or three tips you would like to offer to men in terms of when they get this no how they can deal with it better I mean the number one thing that I'm working on with people is the first thing I would just say is actually breathe breathe into your belly, pause, breathe and ask. So when you get the no, I mean, well, I think that actually if we go back, I think the whole way that people are approaching sex, I think it's really, really fundamentally flawed. I call it like the porn approach to sex or I also another word I use is adrenalized sex. So people rush into sex in this kind of like adrenalized flurry of is actually running away from emotions, running away from guilt and shame where they're kind of chasing an orgasm, going boo, 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 boo. And very often men have such a relationship relationship with their own sexuality they're just being kind of dragged along by the nose by this kind of urge to ejaculate essentially yep. that's something that kind of gets in the way and obviously the urge when we look at the urge to ejaculate essentially 
exactly. It is about about blocked emotions and frustration trying to come out of the body. And when there's so much blocked energy, so much emotions, so much of an urge to ejaculate, it actually gets to the point, like obviously if you look at extreme cases of rape, sexual abuse and so on, this is the, the urge to ejaculate is, is so powerful. It can do that. You're yes, so right. I mean, I might eight years before the history was like that, where mm. if, if I am masturbating, it needs to finish with a climax. If I'm having sex, it ne- even though it needs to finish with an ejaculation, if it isn't, I am frustrated. I'm blaming my girlfriend, even though she's already done long time ago. But I am like, I need to. So you need to, so others, you would need to give me, give me a hand job or a blow job or whatever it is until I have climax. And then I will be like, okay, it's all good. But I think ultimately that is about you being in a bad relationship with your own emotions and you're trying to release those emotions through ejaculation. So I really, I think like to be able to accept a no, you got to look at it before the point where the person is saying no, because if you're so being driven by this kind of need to ejaculate. I mean, obviously this year, er, earlier on in March, this whole kind of conversation about women's equality and feminism and so on, it did come up because of the murder of, you know, the woman by the police officer. And I was one of my friends who very much used to be on this whole kind of forward-based mindset. And he's, through my encouragement, started sort of talking to women, finding out the experience and we were sitting together in a room around the time that this woman was murdered around the time all this stuff was in the press and he was actually saying it's disgusting that women are being told to stay in as far as I'm concerned we men should be the ones getting locked up we're the problem not them and he was saying look yeah if I'm in the middle of of sex and the woman says I've had enough I've got to respect her you know I can't just think of it as being about me finishing and one of the guys in the room was like quite shocked looking go really and he's saying to this guy look yeah things are changing oh this is not we can't behave like this we can't finishing is not our orgasm and we actually have no right to finish until they finished. So I definitely think like it's a whole holistic thing. Also just really the relating to the woman that it's not just coming from the sexual chakra, that it's also coming from the heart chakra, that there's a balance, you know, between the two things. But I think fundamental is your breathing, doing breathing exercises, relaxed breathing, breathing into your belly. Mm-hmm. There's the Taoist exercise where we smile to our hearts. There's a microcosmic orbit, working on yourself, doing meditation, becoming conscious, because that's when you move beyond an animal that's rutting just to just to ejaculate and you actually become a conscious human being because ultimately if you're just being driven by this drive to ejaculate which can obviously be so strong this is why people are date raping this is why abuse is happening abuse is going on within relationships it's extremely common people are often not recognizing it and calling it out as abuse because they're seeing it on porn. And now even guys in their teen teenage years are getting girls to do stuff that just teenagers shouldn't be being get gotten to do, you know, right, because they've right. seen this stuff on porn. So I think it's essential because it's not because ultimately if the woman says no and you not accept it, you're then bringing yourself into that space where you actually are a sexual offender. That can be anyone. Yeah, this is something that's, uh, there's a lot of changes going on at the moment, but I think we are far, far away from even reaching to a place where we could say, finally, we have come to a place where women can feel safe uh, with their partner, where they can have the right to really express themselves in terms of sexuality. I think it's still, in my view, we're still almost decades away, but it's good. Yeah, we're not there at all. And I think women need to learn to really step into their power and say, you know, what they want. I think our daughters, for people with daughters, we need to be teaching 
in them. Be sassy, be mouthy, be loud, say what you want. This whole idea that girls were supposed to sit there smiling and being pleasers, it's just caused an enormous amount of, of damage. And at the same time, boys who naturally will feel much more comfortable to assert what they want, they need to be being taught, you know, don't. And this is serious stuff because someone could, the, the vast majority of date rape, nothing happens about it. But imagine your son, you are accused of date rape. Mm-hmm. This is the reality. If you're not actually learning to have a, a, a self-mastery of your sexual energy, this is the reality. It's not just about you missing out on fun. It's actually you're you're becoming an abuser in a way. Absolutely. I've got a slightly uh, personal question. In terms of the relationship, the number of relationships, what would you say, what's kind of like your estimated, uh, doesn't have to be no specificity, but just an estimated number. And would you say you had a kind of experiences with different people from different ethnicities or would you say you kind of like certain tribes, etc.? Well, I mean, so when I was younger, I would, before I got into the conscious sexuality stuff, I've had a few boyfriends and I think that it went in very kind of similar patterns to do with the lack of consciousness about my own sexuality, my own emotions and so on. And I then when I started to learn about this stuff, I would say then I had like my first sort of like longer term relationship which went on for a number of years yeah. um but yeah i mean i've dated people from different countries different religious backgrounds different ethnic backgrounds as well and you would say you would say um on a on a generic level you would say the level of relating from men for women is still a, there's a big gap in that in the way they as they see women's sexuality in the way they see how they should uh, appear in a relationship or would you say not really are there are there a certain certain sort of uh ethnicities which are much more conscious? Oh, I mean, good question, because I think, for example, we look, if we look at like England and Europe and America, which we call the Western world, and obviously there's this whole dynamic of the the Christianity, the way Christianity repressed people's sexuality going on for generations, generations and centuries. Mm -hmm. Then, for example, if we look at India, you're from India, now that has a different, a little slightly different background. Then if you look, England colonized India at the time of Victorianism and Mm -hmm. uh, Victorian Victoria, the, the whole Victorian ethics was very opposed to sort of matriarchy. It was opposed to the sexual liberation of women and healthy sexuality, which obviously I, I believe it's probably one of the biggest scars that's left on India, which is actually the repression of women and the repression of sexuality by the British. And if you look at India now, apparently India is one of the biggest porn users in the world. This whole kind of rape culture thing, which obviously at least people are talking about it because there's rape culture everywhere. Yeah, yeah coming from India is really sad. I really feel sad that a, a country which was so embraced for sexuality. You know, the India gave Kama Sutra, we had sensuality, spirituality was was one of the peakest things that we have um, among all the countries in the world. It has got to a point where now is actually one of the countries where we have a lot of rapes, a lot of domestic violence, abuse, sexuality is repressed, and we still have 1.5, 1.4 billion people. I just think if you look at anywhere that's been af- affected by Christianity and Islam, you have these sexual problems. I mean, if you look at Islamic countries, huge problems with rape, sexual abuse of women, and domestic violence and so on. And again, you know, it's the repression of, of sexuality. I think uh, if you look at the South Americas, for example, you know, the Spanish went there with the agenda to literally destroy the culture. Mm-hmm. Same thing, a lot of, there's there's a lot of rape, a lot of problems. I think if you look at somewhere like, which has been less affected by Christianity, which I guess you kind of would look at places like China, where there seems to be more in Asia, you seem to have more kind of healthy relating to sexuality than right. perhaps in some, some other places. So there's parts of Africa 
Africa, where um, also that are still matriarchal, where where they're not Christians, they're not they're not Muslims. Like I visited uh, Ghana, it's quite interesting to see the women are quite empowered, and they just seem to be like much more of a kind of healthy sexual relating. But I think that everywhere, which is most of the world, which has been affected by sort of Christianity, and and obviously a lot of countries have been Islamified, which is then bringing in the sexual oppression as well. That um, these have just caused a lot of harm when someone has grown up, especially if you grow up in in a culture like one of my ex-partners comes from probably one of the most extreme female genital mutilation countries in the world. And he went through like a lot of personal turmoil and really like re-educated himself, learning about female pleasure and and treating women with respect and so on. But that was a big journey. But I think like the majority of people just at the moment are not really going on that journey. So um, I think that you, as a woman, I would say I definitely am like very, very careful about who I'm dating, very careful about who I'm getting to know because uh, I think there's this huge shadow of sexuality. You know, the whole idea of like going in a bar, reading a guy, bringing him home with you. Well, there's a good chance he could date rape you. There's no way I would do that. So I do think like, especially as women, we do need to still be careful. We need to vet men very, very well to make sure, test them actually to make sure that they're going to respect us and not treat us in ways that's ultimately a violation of our bodies. So it's unfortunate, but then the more men like you that are educating yourself, you know, the work that you're doing to teach men about conscious sexuality and that actually they can get much more out of sex, not by having this essentially capitalistic sort of attitude of thinking. I'm kind of like in a, sometimes going in a fix, you know, that on one side, I feel like so bad that why didn't I get all these things and all this education that I've got over the past eight years? Why didn't I get that at my early age? Um, because then my life or my life and relationships would have been in a completely different level. On the other side, I feel happy that I've got all this education now because, uh, you know, I've still got a lot of life ahead. So I've got all these experiences. Um, based on your experience, if you were to share a couple of tips for men um, on a very general basis to take the relationship to the next level, what would you say? How can they bring more spice of the relationship or take that to the level that both their partners desire? I think the relationship with your own self, do some meditation, do some breathing exercises, flirtation, creating a fun, flirty energy, having like a real sense of curiosity about what's going on, like really exploring what's going on with you, really exploring your beloved. There's like just two people together can literally explore for the whole universe forever. You can explore. There's so much going on and really just slow down, breathe, discover, talk about your feelings, be open for her to share about your feelings because the more that you're able to just be in a good relationship with your own feelings, to be able to cry if that's what you need to do, the more that you are really able to experience pleasure. Wow, those are really very, very useful tips and I would say as a man connecting with my own emotions and feelings and being able to express them, sit with them, feel them, share with my partner, that in itself take the relationship to that transform the whole relationship. I mean, um, I used to be in a place where the only emotions that I would generally feel would be of love when I'm deeply in love with somebody, of hurt when there is a no or a breakup or anger. So those were the only things, but most of these feelings, most of these emotions I would feel as a reaction rather than as a sort of sitting with them and letting, into, and, and letting myself dive into it. Over the first few years of my journey, uh, I was glad that I had a partner who was very much in tune with body and who was very much high I would say in terms of her own personal development and she allowed me to start going into my own emotions and I'm so lucky because in a relationship I think just having a communicate like you said if just having a communication where both partners are sharing about their feelings and emotions that can go for hours and hours and of course if you bring the sexuality element into it then there is like there's a whole lifetime of experience to explore. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think also, just if I'm going to get into sexual tips, I just think that the two main things that I think guys are being told are completely wrong. One of them is sort of go for the clitoris. It's all about clitoral stimulation. And obviously, the other thing is the hard banging in and out. You know, that that's the way to have great sex. I think that both of these are really like wrong ideas. And actually, I would say don't overstimulate the clitoris. You try to um, actually play around the labia, just stroke around it gently, but going very, very slow, exploring. The other thing is, I would just say do not push things into the vagina. The vagina has a natural reflex to suck. So learn to activate that reflex and really make sure that the woman is controlling the penetration. You wouldn't probably want something shoved hard into your body it's the same goes for the woman. So so learning about this this uh, reflex to start learning that that's a great way to have penetration and learning about the four internal female pleasure spots, you know, learning about the gentle massaging inside of the vagina is um, very, very important to having great sex, I would say as well. Four internal female pleasure spots. Could you throw some insight into them? Okay, well, there are five. Yeah, the first one is, so if you look just inside the inner labia, um, just above the entrance to the vagina, you have um, basically the urethra, so this is called the U spot. Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. so basically this is one. I mean, my favorite is just stroking it, sort of like this with your thumb, if you can see what I'm doing. Yeah, it's just basically and stroking uh, very gently around. Very and gentle. Very, very gently. Yeah. Very, very gentle because too rough. It's good. so it's under the clitoris basically. Too rough. It's gonna just not be pleasant. And then once you've kind of activated the the suck, your finger gets sucked inside. I like it to kind of go in like this. So imagine my G spot is here. Obviously, the first thing you feel, which is a bit like the roof of your mouth, yeah. that is your um the G spot of yeah. the woman. Obviously, play around with it. With each lady, it's different. Some places she might feel differently at different times as well. This is all to do with your emotions. So whether you feel pleasure, pain, nothing in your G-spot is all to do with actually anger stored inside of your body. Mm -hmm. And by massaging the G-spot, you can really release a lot of anger as well. When you go in then a little bit further, it all gets very kind of soft and smooth. This is the A-spot. If you turn your finger down, the vagina wall that's touching the anus, this Mm -hmm. is the K-spot. And just in the back there, there's something feeling a little bit like your nose. Mm -hmm. Like like the tip of the nose? Mm -hmm. It's your cervix. You know, so I created a meme actually on Instagram this morning about that. And basically the cervix is, we store so much uh, emotion and hurt in the cervix. Obviously the cervix is a really hard time from the bang sex because what happens is without enough foreplay banging into the cervix everything goes tight yeah. the cells shut down the blood's not flowing and women start getting cervical cancer that's affecting all the internal organs and everything and then the cervix is the beginning of the energy meridian the main energy meridian that takes all our energy up the center of the body in the man it's the prostate in the woman it's the cervix so massaging and gently relaxing releasing and opening the cervix to its pleasure is actually activating the main energy meridian that really opens us up to our creativity, to our pleasure, to our health, to our love, and to enlightenment, of course. So, I mean, thank you so much for these four. These are absolutely, these are like the golden nuggets. And I would say, guys, um, based on my own experience and um, Jade's experience, G-spot and cervical spots, they are actually um, the treasure um, in a woman. And uh, learn to how to access them, learn to how to provide the pleasure and stroke these spots, because this is something that will open a woman to such an extent 
which she might not have experienced before her, the ability to experience orgasms, the groundedness, the expansiveness, and a lot of other things that she might have been holding into her body will start releasing. And, and she would definitely thank you and want to be having more and more sex with you. So do follow these tools, find her. I guess you have shared some of these onto your website. Yeah, absolutely. I've got blogs about it. I've got stuff on YouTube about it. Um, I'm sure you can find some specific, there's a blog specifically about the five erogenous zones. Um, do do feel free to kind of use a link to that. And so what's your, you what's your website? Um, I have uh, three websites I'm going to mention. So I've got jglotus.co.uk, mm-hmm. quantumsexcoach.com. And I've got the art of the bedchamber.com. Art of the bedchamber.com. That's the one I need. I'm going to go and check out the other two. Okay. <laughs> Question. So how would you define an orgasm now uh, based on all the experience? You know, in the previous, when you first started and you had that kind of moment where you were touching your clitoris and then you start feeling that energy that was pleasurable. But if you were to define the orgasm now based on your life experiences and all that you've done, if you were to say, what is an orgasm? What would you say? I mean, orgasm is like a movement of energy. So you can have an orgasm in your heart. You can have it in your brain. I mean, I remember I was going to this beach with my daughter and you've really got to climb down this cliff. And I got onto the beach and it was sunset and it was so beautiful. And my heart just was like, and I was like, wow, my God, you know, I just had a heart orgasm. Definitely like we learn in Taoism to give ourselves brain orgasms. So through Taoism, we we learn to move energy and create this opening of energy, which is an orgasm in our different organs in order to heal our organs. So I would just say it's movement of energy. Often there's a kind of like a pulsing in the body. But I think the more that we're open to realizing, I know people say there are three types of orgasms, nine types of orgasms. I personally think there's infinite types of orgasm. Right. It's just a universal orgasm. Yeah. So so it's about, it's just about the movement of the energy. And this is about us being relaxed. It's about the emotions flowing. It's about not having tensions around our emotions. And then we start feeling this, basically. Wow. Yeah. Well, this is, uh, I mean, I can put my hands up and completely agree that the, the, the number of orgasms that one can experience is so infinite. But of course, to be able to experience that, one has to work on their own body to be able to move away from numbness, to be able to, like what you said, open yourself up, uh, to be able to learn how to relax, not only just relaxing when you're conscious, but also being able to relax those muscles, which we might not be even connected with. So that is absolutely a universal orgasms. I mean, who wouldn't want to experience that, right? I mean, self-work, if we want to be good in bed, if we want to have great sex, great orgasms, self-work is just key to it. You know, we can't rely that another person is going to sort out our problems for us, essentially. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, we need to get in there. We need to do the work. We need to get in there and get dirty. And I don't mean dirty to do with sex because there's nothing dirty about sex, but I think we need to get there into those uncomfortable emotions, those feelings we're trying to hide away from, and we need to just accept them and just allow them to be part of us, embrace our shadows. Slightly different uh, question. If your orgasm was to be a body part, what would you say? Which one would it be and why? You know what? Yeah, like I was just saying to someone recently, the first answer that comes to us comes from the true self. And if we have to stop and think, it uh, it's coming from the ego, right? Yeah. So the first thing that came to me was my brain. So if you were to say your orgasm is in your body part, would it be a brain and why? That was just straight away where my body went. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I suppose in a sense, with the Taoist practices I'm talking about, we do use our brain to direct the energy into different parts. But yeah, I think if I didn't say brain, I would say cervix. (laughs) I was... uh... 
I was kind of thinking you might say vagina or cervix, but I had, I would never expected it to be brain, but it makes sense because at the end of the day, when we are connected with our energies, because there's, there's so much energy, there's so many things which are moving inside and brain is a place where we actually set our intention. Brain is a place where we direct and control or have the ability to control. So... Yeah, no, it does make sense. It's the control center, yeah. I think we all uh, want to have a partner. We all desire people who are emotionally connected, who are in their bodies. But if I were to ask you just on a purely physical level, you don't know anything about emotions, you don't know anything about the personality of the person, you have a a physical form standing in front of you, could be naked, could be close on, up to you. What is it that would turn you on? What is it that you like in the physical, from a physical perspective, what is it that you like in a man? Oh, goodness me. (laughs) That's getting personal. I think like some level of the body being strong, but not too strong. I don't like an overbuildup of muscle, but I like a kind of a strength. And I guess now I'm going to kind of get into like an energy thing, but I like that there's a kind of, obviously like an element of self-care and also just a slow energy and a gentle energy. Okay. So, it's, so it's not about the cops, guys. Just remember, it's not always about the cops. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because because know, a lot of men always think that well, if I'm going to send her my naked, send a woman a naked dick picture, that would impress her. And this is such a misconception. A lot of men. Oh God, I think it's a good way to like just cause a woman to think you're a complete idiot to see you. <laughs> I don't recommend it. He's <laughs> happened to me a few times that I was thinking, oh, this guy's kind of cool, and then I get a dick pic, and then I'm like, ah. Oh. So wow, Nitis, thank you so much. It has been an absolute pleasure. Um, what are you mentioned? You're working on the book. You mentioned you are working on developing courses. Um, what are your other projects? Um, are there anything else? Or what are something that you like to see for yourself in the in five years from now? You know, I think that what I'd like to see from myself in five years from now, I think I'm working on it at the moment, and it's an enormous amount of work to be sort of creating courses, to be basically, let's say, like writing a book, writing blogs, and and really, I'm. I mean, like I mentioned about, like, I'd like to, to expand this sex education pro- course program out to children and to give children like decent sex education, which is interesting, which is sort of like uh, um, impressive as well, which is really informational, you know, not just teaching them to be scared of their sexuality, but actually teaching them to have a healthy relationship. And really just obviously I want people to experience their pleasure because I think that a world where more people are having pleasure is a better world. I think the whole idea that that person having more pleasure means less for me, I think that's a terrible idea. So I want a world where women can be safe, where women can feel empowered, where women can speak, that they can speak their truth, that they can be respected, where they do not have to, in one way or other, fear of violence, where they feel like if they're having sex and they want to stop, they can say, can we stop? Uh, and that they can feel respected in that. So I think it, that's very important to me. And ultimately, I think a world where women are in their power will be a better world. Yeah. I, I think uh, the thing is, I, mean, I come from India, so we have a lot of romance in Bollywood and you know, we grew up in a slightly different culture where we have a lot of love for women. Of course, there's a lot of uh, violence sector as well but India is also a place where we treat women as goddesses so we there's always what I feel that there's always a desire in a man when they're in a relationship to give the best the best of the best to their partner but somehow because when there is no sex in the relationship that's when I feel most of the things starts going down the hill and this is where men would need to learn 
that if they really start helping their women orgasm and helping to create the space for her to for her orgasmic energy to flow, um, helping her and supporting her a lot and knowing that she has a lot, she, she's been carrying a lot of conditioning and emotional repression from decades and decades and also your own emotional expression uh, repressions. When they start really working on that, then the whole relationship, the whole, not only relationship, but also their own being will transpire in a way that we as a man will be amazed to feel that this is what that actually feels to be a real man. What will be your one key message for women? Believe in yourself. And if listen to your body, if your body is saying no, go for it. If your body says, I want that, go for it. Like really don't be afraid to demand what you want. And anyone who is not respecting that is not a person that you should really be having in your life. Can they trust their body? Can women trust their body? Absolutely. I think obviously you can say trust my body looking at things like urges, which I think is different from what I'm saying. But ultimately, if someone wants something sexual with you, and you ask your body, what do you want? I think that then, yes, you can go with your body and you can decide. Obviously, if your body is telling you to do something to another person that they don't want to have done to them, no, I'm not saying to go for that. But when it comes to what does your body want in terms of your pleasure apps, we get into it, listen to it and, and work together with your partner to get there. Beautiful, beautiful. How can people reach out to you? You mentioned about your website, heartofthechamber.com. You mentioned about jadelotus.com. Instagram handles? Yeah, I have Instagram and I have Facebook. Facebook group everybody obviously they're welcome to join my Facebook group obviously as long as they agree to the rules and uh, just email me it's the best way to get in touch email so that's info at jadelotus.co.uk info at jadelotus.co.uk thank you Jade I know you are on a holiday you're on a away for surfing but thank you so much for taking time out um, and for willing to share about your expertise your knowledge I um, really appreciate you being on the show thank you so much you're welcome thank you so much Hello, dear listeners. I hope you enjoyed the show. For more shows, visit podcast The Orgasm Coach or michaelcharming.com. If you like the show, I would be so grateful if you can leave some stars and recommend it to your friends or to someone whom you think this show will benefit. Let us know what you think, which topic would you like to hear in future or give us your feedback by dropping us an email at coach at michaelcharming.com. Do connect us, connect with us on Instagram at mc.theorgasmcoach. And just a reminder, if you are interested in learning how to have more orgasms, then do check out my book, Amplify Your Orgasm. If you're interested in politics and want to have political conversations with friends, family, or strangers without conflicts, then do check out my book on politics, What's Your Fucking Opinion? Visit the book page on my website for more information. Do check out the courses on the website, michaelcharming.com. Most importantly, if you have any questions or for any confidential conversation, please do reach out to us. We are here to help. Let's work together in embracing our sexuality rather than shying away, dismissing or disconnecting from it. That's all for me for now. I'm your host, Michael Charming, and you are listening to The Orgasm Coach. See you again soon in the next show with another expert on another interesting topic. Until then, take care with lots of love and remember... Together we can and we are making a difference. Orgasms are fun. We should be having more and not less. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.